0: Welcome to Read, Watch, Play, your weekly dive into the stories we love and how they're adapted. This is episode one, and we are covering Jurassic Park. I'm here with Nick Hingson. My name is Randy Barrage. Here we go. How you doing, buddy?
1: Dude, I'm doing good. How you doing? It's, uh, I'm excited that we're doing this. Episode one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited too. I mean, we, we actually, I think we should reference We recorded the actual Jurassic Park bits a bit ago. Um, yeah. That was close to the 4th of July. We're a little bit out from that now. Um, but I'm doing well. Summer's kind of winding down. And nice. we both live in warm climates and it's like, the heat's breaking a little bit but it's big for yourself it was 103 yeah. degrees here today in Houston. <laughs> yeah i don't know They was like the first 15, day i walked
1: 25 days in a row
0: in triple digits yeah that's wild it's been yeah it's been pretty balmy um i walk to a coffee shop every morning and i feel like it's been like i've been in a sauna that entire time <laughs> i get there i'm like do i even want this coffee anymore it's kind of lost the luster can you drink hot coffees on days like that, or do you have to go iced coffee? Dude, my first cup always has to be hot. I have to have hot coffee. Second cup or an afternoon cup of coffee, I can do iced, but I cannot have cold coffee in the morning. Doesn't what about work. your uh, 9 p.m. coffee you're drinking right now? What's yeah, that one? This is, like a, this is a half-calf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I grew up, I don't know how your parents are. My parents always drank coffee like after dinner, so it's just always never. It's just how, how
1: we are. I don't think I drank coffee until my first job after college, and that was more really? necessity, like rather than taste.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I started pretty early. I used to always make some before driving to high school. I would have a cup really? of coffee. Yeah, as soon as I had my license. I didn't license, know that about
1: you. I'm just learning this.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my parents, there. I mean, they were always like a huge pot of coffee, chugging it down all day, every day. So I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think it affects me that much. Like I could drink an actual caffeinated cup of coffee and go to bed instantly. Like it doesn't bother me like that. Wow. Yeah. So the only thing I do get is I get the, uh, like if you've had too much right away in the morning, you kind of get anxiety. Like I'm no longer getting the good energy. I'm just getting all bad energy (laughs) from this coffee.
1: Yeah. I hear you. (sighs) So like, let's say you're, you're sitting down at you know uh isla new bar and you're at the cafe you're picking up a copy of jurassic park you drinking a coffee like what is your ideal reading setup here
0: oh yeah definite coffee, coffee. um coffee with the book yeah yeah, yeah. like coffee a weekend morning if i have a cup of coffee and i'm reading you know possibly still laying in bed possibly on the couch it's it's kind of peak vibes for me I'm not sure there's like anything else I'd rather do more than like be laying down, having coffee and reading. It's just perfect.
1: Do you like to listen to music? Like, Do you have like an album or something you put on in the background while you're
0: reading? The only time I do that is on flights because people are so annoying on planes that I always have headphones in. So even if I'm reading there i always have headphones in which is kind of like music running in the background or if i'm on the beach or something what about you yeah no i well you need silence i love
1: sitting down with coffee and yeah. in the morning and reading i love to read in the mornings it's actually like yeah. my preferred time like right when i wake up and i love listening to music mikhail got me a record player i use it like every yeah. day but i can't read while i'm listening to any of it because i get yeah. so caught up in in the music that i'm just useless Yeah, no, I know what
0: you mean. I'm I'm a little bit distracted. That's why I can't really do audiobooks. Can you do audiobooks? I love audiobooks. Do you? Yeah, I listen.
1: So that's one of the ways I like to read probably four books at a time. Or I like to get through four books at a time. And I'll read two as long as they're different, right? So I can read Jurassic Park and the Shining. And not mix yeah, the story yeah. because totally they're you completely mean. different. And I can do the same thing with two more audiobooks. Even if the audiobooks are the same. I if it was mm-hmm. like if I'm listening to Carrie by Stephen mm-hmm. King and reading uh, uh, The Shining, I'm not gonna mix them up because for whatever
0: reason it just yeah. doesn't,
1: it doesn't overlap in my brain that like the audiobook yeah. and the what I'm reading.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I can like have one fiction and one non fiction going at a time. Yeah and have, it's like they're on different turntables and my brain can just allocate <laughs> enough space to them. It's the same so thing gotta... with kind of video games. I can, you know, we have, a, we have a Switch and a PS5 and I can be playing a game okay. on each of them. And okay. I'm yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But if I'm playing like two on the same, sometimes my, the story or the buttons get a little screwy in my brain. So you've got
1: what? Jurassic Park, Oppenheimer, the Ocarina of Time, and the Dude, last. Dude, we playing Let's that right at now. The same time, right yeah. now.
0: Yeah. Professional podcasters would have read Oppenheimer well in advance to record when, like, the world was a buzz, but we did not do that. And we're trying to read this book now. The thing is, it's a beast.
1: I'm reading that book with a fucking dictionary.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, I just assume not, I'm not going to know any of it.
1: And because when he's interviewing people. He's interviewing these world-class scientists that have vocabularies that are triple mine. And I feel like it's adding like weeks to me reading this book because I have to spend so much time figuring out what people are talking about.
0: Yeah. I also like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't even read and pretend I'm going to comprehend anyone's name. They're just flown right through the brain, like nothing. Like there's so many names flying at you in that book that I'm like, just no yeah i'm not gonna remember this if i don't remember them from the movie i'm not gonna remember them in this book i still have to go see the movie i'm going oh, to you see haven't it seen it. it yet yeah
1: I'm, I'm actually gonna do a double feature with uh ninja turtles and oppenheimer nice
0: dude turtles so good like so good
1: i'm gonna get my coffee watch oppenheimer in the morning hit a cafe cheer myself up and then go watch Ninja, yeah. ninja turtles
0: yeah, we went to one of the sort of like Cinebistro movie taverns or what are they? Alamo draft houses in Texas? I think we have that. Called. Yeah.
1: I picked Yeah.
0: We, uh, this poor guy who worked there, I was going to call him a kid, but he's kind of a kid. He looked like he was his teens, I would say, who was working there, brought out uh, four glasses of water and dumped them on this guy's lap. Like all four <laughs> of them dumped the tray. Like, it was so uncomfortable in the theater <laughs> like oh, he poor. soaked this guy and oh my god it was so like no the guy was a good sport and i feel like they took him out of the theater and somehow had like an extra pair of pants because he was there with like his wife and kids so he didn't want to like have everyone leave yeah so somehow they found this guy a new pair of pants i don't know whether it's like you know, elementary school when like there's the one kid who shits himself and has to like wear a different pair of pants. Yeah. But oh my God, it was, I felt so bad. I was like this poor, both people. I was like this poor kid probably feels so bad. And this poor guy literally just had a waterfall on his dick. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into this a little bit. Obviously this is our first podcast we're doing here and you probably heard a little bit of this in the teaser where we kind of went over what we're looking to do here and what this is about but just want to reiterate that we're not coming at this and through the lens of a history podcast we're not academics i'm not in an english lit department at the end of the day we just love stories we want to talk about them and we love seeing how they're shown across different mediums so essentially just kind of two nerds who want to chat about them and find other people who enjoy chatting about them as well I was realizing, you know, I had written this note, wrote, written. I don't, I don't really know what it is. You know, this is not a history podcast. We're not academics. I say it's not a history podcast. And then I go through the process of like painstakingly researching everything I can find about these. And I'm like, I'm full of shit. I wrote this and I'm a complete phony. Like,
1: (laughs) Well, okay. Here, here's why I am going to disagree you're doing that research but you're not validating the accuracy you're not some Jurassic no. Park historian you're like yeah we're we're gonna google things to tell the audience They're like hey here's a little bit of fun facts that we found on the internet by yeah by asking google
0: you know yeah uh, yeah yeah I'm not a wikipedia imdb trivia is probably the extent I'm also watching yeah. a lot of I love love special features on a. On a Blu-ray or even when they put them you on like, do, the extras actually. on the streaming service.
1: love. I've noticed features. that. You're always talking about the special features. <laughs> really? I've never seen any of them.
0: <laughs> right yeah. watched them.
1: You're watching yeah. like the Christopher Nolan cut of like every movie. Literally, you know,
0: director's cut, all about yeah. it. So kicking off, I mean, you can imagine that this is a favorite of mine. At least we'll see kind of what Nick thinks about it. We talked about it a little bit um but you know i'm picking it because it's one of my favorite movies um and we'll get into how i came to the book um but i'd say you know it's a great book it's a fucking great movie um in some ways i think it's a perfect adaptation and oh, yeah. which is strange to say because the book and the movie are so different but they each you know to me work on their own um so it's it's interesting to get into and i think will be a good kind of intro episode that i'm sure a year from now we'll Cringe at the quality of, um, but it's it's a great it's a great starting point. Everyone knows the story. Um, most people love it. It's still kind of it's still not kind of going. It is still going today. They're actively actively making them. Um, so to get into it a little bit first, just some background. So, the book Jurassic Park was originally published in November of 1990 by Michael Crichton. And I had to look up how to say his last name because I'd never heard it pronounced before um Are you familiar with Michael creighton Were you? You are. Absolutely. Have you read other stuff from him? uh No, but it's. He,
1: I actually had, and I forget which book I meant to look it up. I have a different book by him on my TBR for the year. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah, he's got. He's got a few big ones at to the top of the list because of this,
0: but I should have read this years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is definitely his, you know, marquee novel. Um, he's had some really big stuff. I mean, before this, I think the biggest one was called Terminal Man. I mean, he had a long career. I mean, Terminal Man, I think, came out in the 70s. Uh, Prey is also a big one. I think Prey was just made into like a Hulu movie. Um, pretty recently. I think people liked it. Uh, he also wrote the original Westworld that the HBO show was based on. And he was also the original creator of ER, which was huge in the 90s, launched George Clooney. Um, which I think most of the world is grateful for. Um, so he had some all big stuff. World, yeah, Do not all of the world. Mr. <laughs> it's Mr. Clooney to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ocean's Eleven. It's just S tier movie. You want to talk um, about a, a staple of our childhood, Ocean's yeah. Eleven. Yeah. I mean, especially because it was that on hit, TV all the time. Man,
1: George Clooney. Come on. Like.
0: Yeah. It was on. great. I'm like a heist movie. You can't beat a heist. You can't. Um, but. Michael Crichton, he was really known for these. He would always write these stories that were a bit of cautionary tales, and I think he had a medical background. I I don't want to say he was a doctor, but he had something in that field, and that influenced a lot of his work. There's always like this biology aspect to it, Um, and it's always this form of like, what is the role of science, and what happens when people misuse that or take it too far or for the wrong purposes. Um, yeah. and that's definitely what this book is about, which we're get into. do is a little bit different than the movie. It's not really hit on in the movie at all of kind of this whole scientific aspect of like why they're doing this and, uh, how it can go wrong. And, um, it is a little bit with, um, Ian Malcolm, but, uh, not as much as the book at all. No. And honestly, I know you said it was a perfect adaptation.
1: That is like my primary gripe after reading yeah. the book and understanding all of that is that they didn't bring Spielberg, just threw it out the window. Yeah,
0: I know. It It's 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 surprising. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know if we'll have an answer to it. I, I don't even know if I know myself how I feel quite about it. I was thinking of like what works in cinema versus on the page. Um, but I mean, what is interesting is Creighton, he actually wrote this originally as a screenplay before he wrote Jurassic Park. I saw that. Yeah. And I think that is a little bit why this works so well, too, as a movie, is like it was kind of written in that style. And he was given the reasoning of, um, he was going through this thought process of there's no real need to create a dinosaur, you know, recreate it. And this is a thrust of the book of, um, you know, most science. Unfortunately needs to be backed by by money, you know, in a capitalist system. Yeah. Um, and he concluded that the only way this would happen is if it was for entertainment and what would happen. And he just kind of ran that idea out and that's how it kind of came to be a little bit. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, before even the movie, I mean this this book did really well. I mean, it sold nine million, which I mean, it's not anywhere close to like you know best selling of all time. But it's still really good and extremely popular. That's um, so many copies. Yeah. Like think, it is. well,
1: name name a book off the top of your head that's come out in the last couple of years that sold nine million copies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, I'm not I'm completely unsure of like what the book market is. I know the high or the most selling book, I think they like categorize those as like two hundred-ish million, but those are like the greatest of all time, and those are things like, you know. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I think Charles Dickens is actually like the number one selling tale of two cities or something.
1: Well, yeah. Any book we had to read in high school. Yeah. Any any book that children are forced to buy. Of course they're going to be up there. That's true.
0: That's true. They should get an asterisk. That's like a Barry Bonds statistic. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Getting into the movie, um, you know, so Spielberg actually got the rights to these while the book was being written, which is kind of, I don't. I don't know a ton about it. Um, I was I was watching a bunch of the featurettes going into this, um, and I, I'm just curious of like how he knew this was going to be something. I mean, Michael Crichton was already really popular, so maybe this idea was already a little bit out there in the creative uh, world or in Hollywood.
1: Well, if he um, wrote it as a screenwriter initially. He true. was probably shopping
0: it around. That's true. Before he decided to make it a novel, and
1: that that's I'm speculating here but Mm -hmm. back in 1990 Spielberg got his hands on what he wanted
0: so yeah I mean 80s 90s I mean Spielberg was Hollywood and kind of was movies at that time you know he was heyday of Indiana Jones Jurassic Park was kicking off uh he had a lot going on um but the the crazy thing is I mean we're talking about how different it is but Craig was actually brought on to really lead the script uh for the movie so he had a heavy hand in that along with uh I'm gonna say David Kep. I'm unsure exactly how to pronounce his name, who at the time was very unknown. And this was his sort of launching pad. You know, he went on to write Mission Impossible, the Spider-Man okay. with Tobey Maguire's Panic Room, Carlito's Way. So this was like, you know, a big deal for him and went on to do a lot. I'm sure this movie is what sold him, you know, probably for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, you know, this was released in 93. So two years after the book and it went on to become the highest-grossing film of all time at that time, with 914 million on a budget of 63 million, which is just crazy. Uh, do you know what it surpassed? Star Wars, uh, ET, actually another Spielberg. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't know so that how Jurassic Park has at the time beat his own record. I'm not sure like about this, it, that. Especially because like you always get into the thing of like, if you're counting inflation or you're not counting inflation, because I know when you're counting inflation, gone with the wind is the highest of all time because like 70% of America saw gone with the wind because what else were you doing at that time? Um, But I'm not sure. I mean, without inflation, I could see Jaws maybe holding the spot for a bit. Raiders I don't think Raiders took it. Um
1: but Titanic
0: did. Yeah, that Titanic is what surpassed um this but that was James Cameron. Um you're right. But that was that what ended it. up passing. So this only held it for 4 years until Titanic and then Titanic held it until James Cameron took it from himself with Avatar. Um but you know this movie was massive. Um I mean, and also just, I don't know if kids were obsessed with dinosaurs before the movie, but I, I have to imagine that this is like why kids are obsessed with dinosaurs a little bit, at least now. Um, it was just, it's still hugely relevant. There's been what, five movies since this one. There's theme parks, there's live shows, there's video games. Yeah, Dude, It's just massive.
1: I was thinking about it. how. We're at a point now where people might not know what movie we're talking about. Yeah. Because Chris Pratt has been the face of that franchise for a decade now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of kids have only seen the Jurassic World trilogy.
1: Watching this movie is like when your dad sits you down and makes you watch Caddyshack or Animal House or or the movies of the 80s for us. And you're like, Dad... I'm like nine years old. This movie's 21 years old. What am I doing here?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie came out 33 years ago. It's wild. That's um, insane. Yeah, I know. I have to say, though, is this movie the greatest movie cover of all time? That dinosaur silhouette. It might be the most iconic. It might be the most iconic. I was thinking about that. The only other one I could think of, which are all Spielberg. I mean, for some, whoever does. The kind of art design on those, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws, like they're just incredible movie covers. But I think that like that silhouette, the black and the red, uh, it's just so good,
1: dude. That was the face of the book, the movie, the arcade games, yeah, sixty four games, the Psychogenesis games. That is like still used on the covers of the new movies. I know
0: you just can't beat it.
1: This symbol's going
0: nowhere I know yeah it's Legendary. just it's S-tier. so good it's an yeah and it's just simple. simple it's like it's simple it's clean it's just great I'm
1: gonna get it tattooed right here
0: it'll be the know. next tattoo I get I might honestly um 1993 what, what was Nick Kingston doing?
1: I think I was doing you know pretty normal
0: things walking talking sorting colors and shapes yeah <laughs> yeah because uh, yeah, you were were you born in 91 right yeah at the very
1: end of 91 so i would be getting ready to turn two depending on
0: the exact date that the movie came out yeah yeah so we um we're the same age so similar for me uh you know i don't remember this (laughs) yeah specifically coming out um what was your do you remember what your first interaction with jurassic park was yeah
1: honestly to bring it back to the the dad reference my dad was was the one who introduced me to Jurassic Park. It was him and my uncle S. And um, I think I was probably like eight or nine the first time. I was like right around the turn of the century. I remember watching it at my uncle's house with them, and just being fascinated yeah. by the by everything in the book. I think you know, and I know we're gonna talk about this later, but I think just the way that movie looked, even in the late 90s, was so superior to all the other BS visual effects that other s- directors were using at the time. And oh, absolutely. It. I was already into dinosaurs, you know, like every other kid. And then seeing that, I was, I was like, it was like what launched me into like science fiction and fantasy and and that part of, you know, cinema and like just reading, really. Yeah. And I can't believe yeah. it took me another twenty five years or whatever to read the book. That's actually insane to me.
0: Yeah. Now I'm seen- in the same boat. I I saw it first. I didn't read it until two or three years ago. Okay. And I, it's one of those. What made you read it? What? Um. I think it was just that I. I don't. I don't know what honestly what prompted it. I'd always wanted to read it. I actually didn't know who Michael Creighton was until uh, he, so he died. I forget if we mentioned this in 2008 Mm -hmm. from lymphoma and right at the, right when he died, he had a near complete manuscript done um, of a book called pirate latitudes. And when I was at borders, rip borders, I love borders. um, They used to have like, you know, staff recommendations and, that was in there right after they published it, um, and I, I don't know. I always a little bit feel weird about like posthumously published things. Like, yeah. did they really want this out yet? But I think that this was nearly complete, and he was planning on publishing it. And I read the book, which is an awesome book, by the way. It's just like it's like almost Pirates of the Caribbean as a book. It hits on like all the big things you'd expect in a pirate story. Yeah. But in the back of the book where they always have the blurb on the author, it was like, you know, also wrote, I saw Jurassic Park. And I was like, what? Like This is that guy? Like, I'm not even sure if I knew it was a book because as a kid, I wasn't really thinking about that. And it's not really a kid book by any, (laughs) any stretch. Um, So like, you can watch the movie as a seven, eight year old, but you're not going to read that book. Um, Like it's going to be, it's going to go right over your head. A lot of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it like, and then the movie just—it came out in that weird balance of, you know, it came out, you know, while we were alive technically, but like, I don't—we were too young to know it came out. Um, Yeah, but it's just like it's always been there, and I, I still remember the impact it had. You know, even in the later '90s, that this was like still everywhere. And even though that I don't think the original, you know, Lost World sequel did well from a movie perspective, it was still just huge, and um, it was like it's it's one of those movies that I just like watch all the time, and it just always works. Like if I think of a popcorn movie, like this is what my mind comes to. It's it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think. In the future, we'll probably uh, try and insert some like listener comments ahead of shows uh, into this. But as this is the first one and the only person listening to this is probably the cat right now, um, we don't have any listener comments. Um, so we'll get into that in the future. I mean, and I think a note on on spoilers is uh, we're, we're going to be spoiling everything with Jurassic Park just in case you haven't read or watched it. And I don't know why you'd be listening to this. Um, I feel like.
1: Yeah. At a certain point, you give up the right to be upset about a spoiler. Yeah, This movie is 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> the the book is a little bit older. And there's 37 sequels starring Chris Pratt. You, yeah. you just have to understand that we're going to talk about the book and movie start to finish here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I'll be protective of is uh, spoiling other things in this. Um, which, like, if you're coming to a Jurassic Park podcast, like expect to be spoiled on that but i'm not gonna tell you the end of indiana jones dial of destiny you know through this um
1: <laughs> snape kills dumbledore darth vader always drives me nuts
0: <laughs> just ripping spoilers yeah, all day <laughs> i know um but i think we're gonna get into some category. did you have some other questions i can't remember
1: Yeah, you want me to rip rip a couple at you?
0: Yeah, I I think let's rip those and then we'll get into the categories.
1: Dude, like one, and honestly, I think these are probably going to align with the categories pretty well. I want like one word answers. I'm just going to fire them off. You know what I mean? Don't think about it because we're going to talk about them all in detail. And as soon as I find them, we will do it. Professional podcasting. uh, Favorite book character? Ian Malcolm. Ooh, favorite movie character? Ian Malcolm. Really? Okay. Uh, Least favorite movie character.
0: Ooh, that one's tough. I'm trying not to expand on my thoughts because the movie really slims down the cast of characters and I'm trying to think of who bothers me in the movie. Um, If I had to pick, I'd say it's intentional The lawyer jennaro i think is his name in the movie yeah 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 what scene do you think was missing from the movie i think it would have been way too intense but the intro book scene with the little girl and her family i think would have Ooh. been better than the original raptor scene they did in the movie
1: that would have been coming in
0: hot yeah that would yeah. Have, that's that's intense yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that for the what the book did well, but yeah, I, I love that. Okay. okay, do you have any more? Are you good?
1: No, I don't want because if I keep asking him, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna elaborate, and we're gonna.
0: I know. I can't. I me restricting myself to few words on this stuff is tough. Um, let's get into it. So one of the first guy. I mean, what do you think the book did well? Uh, I think the book did a lot of things really well. I think the book did a really great
1: job talking about the real world implications of nonsense that is recreating dinosaurs, yeah. specifically <laughs> velociraptors, the a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can tell you that that's a bad idea and a bad use of science. I think actually this book is super interesting in the fact that it's on the precipice of that great technological, like, Ad, rapid advancement where everything yeah. was changing almost every year. And I think he did a really good job of capturing what it felt like in the, you know, even when I remember in like the late nineties of like, like, t- like not everybody knew how to use all the computers. Not everybody no. knew what to do. Not the, the interfaces were super simple and that's just how mm-hmm. things were. And I think that especially, you know, people, Younger than us that get into it, or people that grew up, you know, starting in the, the 2000s, they're just not going to understand how accurate some of those situations were. Like when yeah. when Doctor Wu had to stay in the control center because <laughs> yeah. nobody
0: else knew what to do. That was, nobody else, yeah.
1: That was totally realistic. Yeah,
0: using walkie talkies because they can't. Yeah, you know, use a cell phone. <laughs>
1: yeah, this was like pre, like even the Nokia brick. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, pretty like everything true, yeah
0: yeah this is the time I where like in a movie a rich person has like a phone in their car and it's like a big deal and it still has like a cord
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> ferris bueller's day off yeah, yeah. Uh, i love those oh. things about the book i also think the book did a really i just i really liked the his like prose i like the way Crichton writes and i think he does a he did a really good job of constantly building the stakes in a way that didn't feel forced. And so from like a, a writing perspective, uh, I really want to give a, a tip of my cap to him for
0: that. Yeah. I mean, especially like he puts, he's known for like really doing his homework on a book for the ideas he's putting in there. And yeah. I think that that could be a detriment if it becomes too, scientific, that it's at least in, unapproachable for someone who's not a science background. Uh, but he's really good at making it like an engaging story with like I, really
1: backed yes. up claims. I have that same comment in my notes because science fiction, especially bad science fiction, they over explain everything. Yeah. Get way too complicated. You rip holes apart and he gives you like just what you need to know and nothing else. And it just works. Yeah, it just works. I don't know how else to say that. It's Mm -hmm. so much better than what a lot of modern science fiction tries to do, where they're explaining jetpacks, but they have to make it totally different than the other jetpacks you've read in other books. He's just like, "No, you've seen this a million times. I'm just going to do better than you." Sit down, shut
0: up, take notes. Yeah, you know what it is. Yeah, I thought the one thing I really enjoyed in the from the science aspect in the book was the I thought the like the titles of each chapter I think are like quotes from ian malcolm's future book or current book i love that and i think malcolm was like i'd assume that this is kind of like the stand-in for michael creighton His like it's like the voice he's trying to give by writing this book is like this character and ian malcolm's like he's i think he's more of a dick in the book for sure um but i just loved that there's like these breadcrumbs with these chapter titles of like I mean everyone knows what's going to go on in jurassic park but yeah. like the foreboding sense of like this is going to go off the rails with kind of this chaos theory i think was just like so good in the book like it was that perfect like slow yeah. burn
1: was he more of a dick
0: in the book or did he just get more time to be him yeah i think I think yeah I mean that's that's one of the things that works in a book and doesn't work in a movie is like you can either have these really drawn out dialogue scenes of kind of character conversations which I actually love in a movie but sometimes doesn't always work. You can also have just like the inner thought monologue which you don't get in a movie. Yes. And um I think that worked really well in the book and I think it worked well in the book with Ian because um Hammond was not really the Hammond in the movie I mean in the movie he's very grandfatherly warm in the book Hammond's kind of like just an evil Walt Disney and Malcolm is just like from the get go just going at him and it's like it's really entertaining from a book perspective of him just like calling him out from the start um I enjoyed that a bit
1: I also think, and I know we've mentioned this, I also think the book did a really good job with two other things. And one is building real world stakes, right? Yeah. And the way it comes out firing with that little yeah. girl. And then the next scene would be the when, when the worker is brought in because he had been ripped apart by a raptor and nobody knew mm-hmm. what was going on yet. I think that would have been a cool spot to open the movie too. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, and then I also think the book did a really good job of me losing my thought there. I'll circle back to it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> totally no blanking on what, what
1: there was one more thing. I thought the book did,
0: did really well. Yeah. I mean, I'll just quick go on the, the intro scene and while you think of your thought. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean the intro, I thought it was so good. I mean, especially cause I mean, when you were reading it as same as when I was reading it, like I knew Obviously, the the full story of Jurassic Park. But when they started it, I was like, I don't know where this is beginning because this is very different than the movie. And as I started to go through it, I thought it was going to be like maybe, you know, Dr. Sattler, and um what the hell is Sam Neill's name in the movie? I'm just Alan Grant. Grant. Yeah, Dr. Grant. I thought that was going to be like them at first with like a daughter. Like it was a little bit. But then I was like, no, this is just a family on vacation here. And I'm reading more and I'm like, are they really gonna have this like little girl get eaten by raptors <laughs> in like the first chapter of this book? I like couldn't believe it. Um and I think she, you know, she ends up just getting like injured and they fly her, and that's where that doctor's like yeah. I don't know what this, you know, kind of I don't know what's a bigger word than a scratch, you know, just complete mauling is from. Um, I mean I think the thing is like that would have I mean, this book or movie was already a little bit scary if you were like in that five to ten range. I mean, if this was the start of the book was like this little girl getting massacred, I would have been out. I mean myself as a six year old. <laughs> <laughs> See you bye, yeah. Um, the other thing I loved in the in the book, uh, or yeah, in the book, um, was, I, yeah, I think like Dr. Wu was a little more prominent in the book and his just like being a little bit over this and feeling kind of almost trapped in this position with Hammond um though I do really like in the movie Mr. DNA I think that was like the best addition to just like quickly talk about like everything science-wise just very very fast um I thought that was fun um and then like I said again
1: sorry just to build on your Dr. Wu comment one another thing I thought the book did well is they really talked about the recklessness of what he yeah, was doing. And totally. Like he didn't know the names of the dinosaurs. It was just purely a science project to him with no understanding of the repercussions of what he was doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. He was just like, he was almost like, like checked out in a way where like yeah, this had, had, it had gotten so big and maybe so dangerous that he was like, I don't know. He was just apathetic at that point. And Um, yeah, I thought that was, like, just so interesting. Um, the other thing that I, the final thing that I think I had for, like, what I think the book did really well was, like, I enjoyed, like, the, like, corporate espionage between, like, Biasin and InGen, and you get that a little bit in the movie with, uh, you know, Newman's character, um, Nedry, but I loved, you know, kind of all of that setup of, kind of, like, these competing bio companies. Um. Yeah, I I missed that for sure in the movie. And they really,
1: yeah, that was actually what I was thinking when I lost my thought. And then they also built up the like Gennaro character and why he was important and what was going on behind the scenes. Because if you honestly, looking back, having watched the movie several times before watching the, or I'm sorry, before reading the book. I really feel like there's a lot of Easter eggs in there for people that had read the book and understood yeah. what was going on and things that may understated in the movie that you, you kind of take at face value mm-hmm. if you haven't read, but when you do know you, it adds a lot more depth to what's happening, especially in the first like 45 minutes of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, in the book, the lawyer is kind of like the voice of reason. (laughs) And I mean, that's not the way it goes in the movie, but I I kind of really appreciate it. And I was like, this is the only guy speaking sense, you know, right now. Yeah. Um, What do you think the movie did? Well, I mean, there's a lot here, but I think if you put it in the context
1: of it being 1993, the T-Rex just nailed it, rushed
0: it. Yeah. He was unbelievable at the time. Still is unbelievable. Honestly, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah. Um I think the a couple
1: decisions that the the movie made were really good and that is one Dr. Grant not liking children. Yeah. I think that that's actually where the book got it wrong was when mm-hmm. they said oh Grant likes children blah blah blah. No, like a big part of why it worked with Grant being stuck with Tim and Lex was because he didn't like children. Yeah. And, and that was incredible. I think Spielberg crushed it there. And honestly up until about page One ninety, which is where they first see the the dinosaurs for the first time. Yeah, they were pretty much Spielberg was like beat for beat with the book Mm -hmm. minus that intro. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. Until honestly, when they see the dinosaurs, I think the movie did a much better job than the book. There, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, oh, we know we're going to see a dinosaur, blah, blah blah. They see it, but in the movie with the turning of
0: the head yeah that was oh, the best i mean that, that whole scene
1: that's iconic
0: yeah i mean that that entire stretch like they really sold it that like these dinosaurs were real that they were looking at as actors yeah and just like them collapsing on the ground you know yeah. not believing what they're it. seeing and you know you get hammond's welcome oh. to jurassic park it's just—it's perfect dr grant my dear dr sutler welcome
1: to Jurassic Park. Spielberg, and let's be honest, the actors, all of mm-hmm. them, crushed that. Yeah, They're, they are in their paycheck right there. Like that scene right there is something you remember thirty years. Yeah, ago later.
0: I know it's just so good. It's so good. Um, I mean, I think if I think about what else the movie did well, um. I think like the restraint with the T-Rex was awesome. Like they didn't overuse it or over rely on it.
1: Yeah, And even the
0: dinos in general, until we get a lot of the Raptor stuff at the end, it's almost kind of like, you know, Darth Vader, where like how many minutes of screen time does he have in the first, you know, New Hope? It's like, it's not much. Like they play their card right with not like over relying on this. I thought the, and it's not that the book was different than that. Um, but it's just easier to write about dinosaurs than to like film them in 1993. So I I thought that that was something that the movie did really well of like how to balance, you know, what they were able to do with technology at the time without overusing it. And it's still really working. All right. I got one thing I
1: think the movie didn't do well. And then I want to hear what you thought the movie didn't do well. So one of the things that bothered me is that the copies were not in the movie really at all yeah they, were. they were so important in the book yeah. i mean they're the ones on mainland first and yeah. then with the death of Nedri, i think mm-hmm. that would have been a really cool spot to insert the Compies. if you're not going to have hammond die at the end and you're you could insert an animal like a dinosaur that is so crucial to the book instead of just a i mean yeah that dinosaur that kills him is in the book, but that's the only time it's in the book too. So if you're going to just use like a generic dinosaur, use one
0: that was like strong like integral yeah. to the plot of the book. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one of those like meaningless changes that that's just like why? Like you had a yeah. you had a real good thing there. Uh it still yeah. works, but it not quite as well.
1: What 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 did you what do you think Spielberg got wrong? Not even wrong. What could Spielberg have done differently that would have after reading the book would have made you think it's a better adaptation
0: than it already is. Yeah. There's a few things that I, I think I enjoyed more in the book that I, I'm not, I'm unsure of how it would work in a movie, but the things that come to mind, it probably does not, it's not a more kids summer. And I can't even say this is a kid's movie, but more of a summer blockbuster that appeals to all. Mm -hmm. The book was a bloodbath. (laughs) Like at the end. Yes. They're, I think the only people who make it out alive are Doctor Grant, Doctor Sadler, and the kids. Is is that it? I'm pretty um, sure sh- everyone else dies.
1: I thought one more person made it onto that helicopter.
0: Uh, was maybe the PR? No, the PR guy was kind no Janeray doesn't die. No, the there was that Ed Regis, that like publicist. Ed, Ed, or is Regis. Ed Regis, the lawyer in the book.
1: No, Ed Regis dies in the book. Yeah. but he, but Gennaro makes it off the island okay. in the in the book. They they ate him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's... speaking of speaking of Ed Reed, just one of the things that, and I, I to your point exactly, it does not fit in a summer blockbuster. But there was no rocket launchers. There was None. no exploding raptor. I mean, like, yeah, that was yeah. scene a moldoon. What is I forget? What's yeah. the uh. Mulderan, the guy's Mulder, name. but yeah, when he saves Ed Regis, who yeah. goes and dies like thirty seconds later uh, from the raptor by blowing it up with a rocket launcher, that mm-hmm. took me back to being a seven-year-old kid, yeah. immediately. <laughs> and I was so when I first read that, I was so disappointed in Stevie Spiels I'm for like, not putting that in the movie. I know. Like, how are you going to blow up a raptor in nineteen
0: ninety-three? Like, they don't—they yeah. didn't have the technology to do that. No. Yeah. I I kind of forgot about the the rocket launcher, but that was that was a big miss. Um, yeah, I'd say the only the only thing that I'm like, it's tough because I like both, but in the book, I do like that Hammond kind of gets what's coming to him a little bit. You know, he dies in the book, and he's also a different character, and I think part of that is like, yeah, Sir Richard Attenborough who plays. Hammond in the movie is just, like, so charming and just, like, that he's like a grandfather that, like, you wouldn't want to see him getting his intestines ripped out. Um, But I like the different approach that the book took with, like, why this is wrong or why this is a bad thing and seeing all of them pay for that a little bit. Um, Yeah. I mean, and also uh, Isla Nublar gets napalmed at the end. (laughs) And I thought, like, I don't know that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been kind of the, you know, off into the sunset, happy, happy ending to a blockbuster movie. But at the book, it was, it was pretty profound. I mean, you find out that some, some of the dinos made it off to set up sequels, but I I did. I don't know. The end of the book was heavy in a, in a good way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I will say to what you just said, I think him and not dying in the movie is a much better way to set up a sequel to a movie when you only have mm-hmm. 90 minutes to, to say all that, like, yeah, to what your point in the book about how much you can explain things and have inner monologues and you can't do that. Having the man behind it all to like, try again mm-hmm. for a, a second movie is a lot easier to digest than,
0: Oh, somebody else figured it out or yeah. it just
1: feels a lot less forced.
0: Absolutely. Um, um, I've got two more rapid fire uh, best things for the movie, and then I want to move into what we thought were the best scenes and were they different for the book or movie? Um, okay. I mean, I, I think I got the a question thing... for you after your yeah, question. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I think the the final one I have is, I mean, the one thing you get with the movie is sound, and the John Williams soundtrack is just like I mean, he had set out of the park every time but this is just, such a, it's such a good one. No, and sound design in general is unbelievable. Yes. Um, and then I think just the aesthetic, like I think movies still do this a little bit, but the production sets of this are, they're insane. I mean, how cool are those Jeeps? Like they were iconic in the nineties. I mean, in every set, especially if like, I remember in all the, the uh, it's kind of like that dining room food hall, like, if you just, like, look around and you see, like, all the bones, like, within, like, the pillars of, like, they just went crazy with building out this set. And I thought they did such a good job with that. I agree. Yeah. You just can't beat myself. practical effects. You just can't beat yeah. Um What would you say is the best book scene? Ooh.
1: I think the way that. Tim sort of outsmarted that raptor in the book it was really yeah. well written and like really suspenseful, Yeah, which made it cool. I also think blowing up a velociraptor is like my favorite thing ever now. Yeah. So I have to say that. Um,
0: Do you know where, were velociraptors invented by Michael Crichton? I feel like I read that they were, yeah. they weren't. No. Are they real dinosaurs? Yeah. I don't that. Okay. Yeah. They're real dinosaurs. <laughs> for some reason i thought that they were invented by him
1: no there's no no way
0: yeah Hmm. but they're
1: great Um, i mean i think those scenes i also think the t-rex scene like the you know the hallmark t-rex scene was masterfully crafted yeah um i also really think he did a good job with the corporate espionage and what that probably would be like in a situation like this. Yeah, totally. And that uh, it's really a bummer that we didn't get some heavy hitting actors to play that out because
0: that's probably Mm -hmm. its own movie right there.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll list off a few of mine. If you get anything to say about them, let me know. Um, I think one, because I read this book is, yeah, I think it was three years ago now. One that really sticks out is when uh, Dr. Grant, Tim, and Lex are floating down the river and they're trying to like hide from the t I thought that was just a really good scene. Just the whole sequence of like them trying to get down. Um, I remember something to do with the aviary in that scene, but I I can't remember specifics. Um, I thought that what you're talking about with the rocket launcher, that whole like raptor siege that they're trying to like distract them and figure you know out the fence the whole thing was just so good with um, yeah. Muldoon, hammond woo and ellie all together trying to like bait and draw yes. the raptors away from the skylight it was just i was i don't know it was just like one of those parts of the book you couldn't put down
1: the the way
0: grant kills the raptors yeah with the eggs yeah is that when he has like the is it it's like a needle that he was injecting them with something right yeah
1: yeah that was that was a really good yeah that was intense
0: instance of
1: putting thing like everything coming together and it drives me nuts when movies do this and especially when books do this the comment in the beginning of the book about having all these toxins was not a throwaway comment to build a setting. It mm-hmm. came back and it came back in a big
0: way. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Best movie scene. What do you think? Oh, it's the T-Rex. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you, the T-Rex intro is I think it's well, actually, one of the best scenes. The that ever or before. when they first see the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, those are the t- they're very cool for very different reasons. Yeah. I, hope, but I love them both. Yeah, but that the rain coming down, you're just waiting for the T-Rex to come. It's just, yes. I don't think it's better. That first, yeah, like, roar it does. Just perfect, perfect yeah. Yeah, movie making. Um, I don't think there's who even... Do you, who do you think
1: was the ultimate villain in the movie? Like, who is the pinnacle of, of the bad guy?
0: In the movie, uh, in the hmm.
1: movie and the book, actually, overall, in just Jurassic Park, who do you yeah. think? is the- I think in
0: the book it's Hammond. I think in the movie, hmm, yeah, they make they make Nedry really seedy in both. Um, it's hard to, you know, he's he's Newman from Seinfeld in the movie, Slimey. and that's like all I it's can the same see. Same character. It it's literally is literally Newman. Is.
1: as a computer scientist.
0: Yeah. And you can also just see like what the public opinion was of like engineers and hackers, then just <laughs> so like write him in dude, such a bad way. Um, just like the classic. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, like In the, the book. The,
1: the, the joke. Gennaro's like a Harvey from Suits type character. And yeah. in the movie, he's like this scrawny dude in an oversized suit with yeah. nerdy glasses. Like,
0: Yeah, I have something for uh, best quote, definitely around the lawyer. Um, but the only, the only other scene I'll shout out in the movie is the kitchen scene. I love that one, uh, where Lex and Tim are hiding in the kitchen and, you know, you see Lex's reflection and the Raptor like crashes into it, thinks it's her. And like, they're trying to get out. Just so good. Um, how,
1: how how have we
0: not brought up the fact that,
1: uh, the best thing the movie did was Lex and make her dude
0: the change is it's the best
1: adaptation choice they the did. older oh my god dude i she was so bad in the book. wrangle
0: my book yeah she was she was tough she was a tough hang in the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was i it think that's was, the best decision they made was flipping those ages
1: yeah because i don't think it took anything away from tim and what tim did yeah i think it made lex an infinitely more tolerable character Mm-mm. yeah
0: I, I agree totally Anything else on casting, you would say? No, I think they nailed it. Yeah.
1: Oh, another change that we didn't talk about is the fact that uh, Dr. Sattler is not Dr. Grant's
0: student. And and that could have got weird. I, I agree. I think that that was one of the better adaptation choices as well to like making them sort of equals and um and by equals i mean like same age and yeah it just could have been weird in a movie i mean and it was even a little bit in the book um but you understood it more that she was a graduate student but you're like why is she coming like it was i don't know it was it was a little odd and i think the movie version was a lot better we're like no they're like an actual couple (laughs) that are the same age Um, yes yeah that's a good point that was that was so much better um but yeah, the cast was great in this. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is iconic as Ian Malcolm. Just iconic. Um, he kind of gives like I a little bit of I'm that like your casting choice. I know there is none. It's like he's kind of doing like a little bit of like a Han Solo of like being a little bit dismissive of everything, um, but still just so cool. Like, hey, it was it was great. Um Yes. Yeah, all the cast was... I mean, Samuel L. Jackson. I think this was my introduction to Samuel L. Jackson was this movie. Yeah, no, the cast was great. Uh, best adaptation choice. Muldoon's, uh short shorts. A guy yeah. is showing Dude, some thigh in the movie. A nice little five-inch
1: inseam out of that guy. Yeah.
0: It's exactly like the stereotypical safari guy outfit. Yes. Like, pure khaki. The guy looks like he squats a thousand pounds. I was like... <laughs> With oh, that, like, that so good. safari
1: hunter hat that he's got going on,
0: yeah. Um, yes. Best quote: What would you um, say is from all Jurassic Park?
1: Probably uh, welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean the way that that's delivered and set up in the movie, it, it like the words itself are not anything special, but the way that was delivered, it's yeah, great.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of the most iconic. What was the other one? Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. I mean, I say that if I'm making a fast turn in the car at least once a week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold on to your butts.
0: Like, that's yeah. such a usable line. It's a good one. Yeah. What do you got? What else? What the else only other got? ones I had were uh, Malcolm's uh, Life uh, Finds a Way back to uh, Dr. Wu when he's like, uh, they're all female. You know, I think, if, I forget if they were talking about the raptors, like, how are they going to breed? Yeah. That's when the response he gives to them, that's a, that's a big one. It's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that
1: life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes
0: through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, oh, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will... Breed. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Um, the Do You Think You Saw Us blind dinosaur joke. Tim just, you know, doing stand-up comedy in the tree while they're about to die. It was great. Um, and then the only other one I had, this was movie only, was when Hammond is really annoyed that nobody else is kind of seeing what he perceives as the greatness of what he's been doing and all the reality checking he's get. And he's like, you were meant to come down here and defend me. And the only one I've got on my side is the blood sucking lawyer. <laughs> <Jared> <laughs> in the he's like, thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, just Lawyer jokes, always good. And then, uh, it's not, a, it is a quote, but it's now just like gift material is, um, ham or Malcolm's. his one big pile of shit. Uh, quote, When he sees the din, the huge pile of dinosaur shit, just a perfect one. That is one big pile of shit.
1: It was huge. It was huge. I don't think he wasn't wrong. Crichton did an accurate job describing how big it was because I don't think without the movie I would have understood what a big pile of shit really is in from like a dinosaur Mm -hmm. without the movie. Yeah, don't really think about it often. Um,
0: Did you say you had another question?
1: No, I wanted to ask you about the villain, but to circle back to that, I would argue that the people aren't even the biggest villains. The villains are the the ones created. And I think the Velociraptor is yeah. the ultimate villain of the movie. Yeah, the t- you're so right. Big and scary, but the yeah. Velociraptors hunting in packs, breeding as quickly as they do,
0: is nightmare fuel. Yeah, the book really is more of a horror than for sure the movie but the book is it's like a hard like yeah <laughs> when they found 30 raptors
1: in yeah that. Mm, no sir no thank you i know
0: yeah that's a good point i, I would say that that's true i mean in the movie almost made the t-rex like the hero and it is not the hero in the books it's definitely not on the velociraptor level but it doesn't save them in the books at the end um which was a change yeah um all right i got some half-assed uh internet research kind of nice. my favorite imdb trivia i want to rattle okay. off i don't know if you know any of these um the water ripple in the t-rex scene was done by playing a guitar it was the only way they could get the water to ripple in a cup like that and get it to look right and the sound guy figured out if you play this one note on a guitar that's how he got the water to ripple thought that was Shut cool. Up. yeah that's awesome the attack sounds of the Velociraptor were dolphins that they played at different frequencies. Okay. Yeah, the T Rex was a bunch of different animals, but I know the Velociraptors were dolphins. Spielberg was filming this at the same time as Schindler's List, and said it was the most intense intense time of his life, and he was flying back and forth between Krakow, Poland, and you know either Hawaii or on you know on set in uh, Hollywood, I guess.
1: Dude, honestly, filming Schindler's List had to by itself would make it the most intense time of his life. I mean, that yeah. movie is—you need a good cry. Yeah, Schindler's List.
0: Yeah, but imagine, imagine filming those at the same like what a year for him. Man, he was just untouchable for for so long. Um, other interesting one was uh, a hurricane actually hit while they were filming. And all the cast and crew were re- required to move into a ballroom of the hotel. And really? Sir Richard Attenborough slept through the whole thing in his hotel room and didn't even know it happened. And when asked why, he said it's because he lived through the Blitzkrieg. This wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a downside to that was Samuel L. Jackson was supposed to fly back to Hawaii to film a big death scene. And, but the hurricane destroyed the set that was the one that he worked on. So they no had to scrap way. the scene and they just like had his arm. I think when Dr. Sadler is, you know, turning the power back on, she finds his arm. Yeah. Um, but that was a bummer that he didn't get his big death scene. Cause even Nedry's death, they cut, they cut that back a little. I remember in the book specifically, like he writes that, like he remembers his intestines falling into his hands. Yeah. He dies. Dude, the, the book gets graphic. It really does. Um, and the final one I had was Steven Spielberg was influenced to make this movie by the Franklin Institute, which is pretty sweet because we're both from That's the Philadelphia, Philadelphia. area. And yeah, maybe. Franklin Institute's awesome. I remember going to the dinosaur exhibit as a kid multiple times. Um, but it's pretty cool that he was influenced by that. So that was uh, that was what I had for some random trivia. I like that was good. Those were good. Yeah, those were good. I like that. Who would you say won the Booker movie? You can take that as any way you want. It came out in, on top, just kind of owned, you know, the Booker movie. Uh, in the book, it would either be Gennaro or
1: the Raptors. And yeah. The reason I don't say Malcolm in the book is because Malcolm dies. Yeah. But in yeah, the movie, they change. Malcolm owns. Yeah, movie, and he makes it out, and that's huge. And I also think, um, yeah, I'm gonna stop there. I that's what I think. That's that's my final answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think the lawyer is great in the book. I like Dr. Grant in the book too.
1: Yeah, he was good.
0: Yeah, but yeah, he was just good. Uh, the movie, I I agree. Probably, I'd say for the movie, either the T Rex that's a good one, kind of gets the hero scene, has the best intro scene. Maybe yeah. I mean, I'd say that's probably one of the best movie scenes of time is that T Rex intro. Um, but then Malcolm, he lives and he's right. Um, Jeff Goldblum, I, I was reading, actually pitched that idea to Spielberg because he said, right now Malcolm is too similar to how they were doing the lawyer in the movie. And he mm-hmm. said, what if Malcolm is a little bit more of a hero and grabs the you know flare to lead them away? And Spielberg went for it. So then he got to live in the movie. No way. Yeah, so I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. Probably huh. Jeff Goldblum just trying to get some more screen time, but I loved. It it. I thought it worked, and like you can't kill him in that movie. He's just he's so good. All right, closing out here. Um, how do you feel about the future installments? Have you seen them? We don't need to go into depth. I'm, I haven't read Lost World. I want to read it, and then we can cover I that one. I haven't but read it. I haven't seen it. Have you seen any of the Pratt movies? No. No, none of them.
1: I think that was me being a bitter old man and going, "No, we have a Jurassic yeah, Park. We, we had one, it. but yeah, uh, I need they on. I need to watch at least the first one because the first yeah. one is Jurassic Park again, right? I think I think it's
0: called Jurassic World,
1: and then it's- so is it based off of Jurassic World the book? Like it's like a second, or is it a remake? But they changed the name to differentiate it.
0: Uh, it's a completely new story. That's almost a sequel to the original Jurassic parks movies. Okay. Um,
1: So it really is like Jurassic world, the book. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to read the book and watch those
0: movies. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've only seen the movies. They're fine. The second one I didn't like a lot, Dominion, but, um, I was cool for the, I mean, they were manipulating me with nostalgia for the third one, um, but it was fine. Do you want to see anything next from Jurassic Park as a story? No.
1: Yeah, Honestly, I'm just going a pause. Not even a pause. I think, you know, obviously we're not going to get a new book. Mm-hmm. And the movie was done really well by one of the best directors of all time. Yeah. And now we've done a, a few remakes. I don't know that we really need anything in the immediate future. I think mm-hmm. they should probably put a lid on the Jurassic World series. I haven't seen it, so admittedly, I could be talking on my ass here, but it just feels like, if anything, I would love to see a resurgence of the book, and I would love to see more people reading the book and watching the movies and having mm-hmm. conversations like ours.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree. I don't I don't need anything else. If anything, um, I'd like to see some continued love to the uh, theme park. Have you been to... Jurassic Park in Universal. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. They just built a new Velociraptor coaster. Might be the best ride I've ever been on. I mean, roller coasters have come a long way. It's smooth. It's really smooth. I mean, the riverboat adventure. Is Is it
1: an actual roller coaster or is it one of those? uh, It's an actual. Okay. It's a real
0: roller coaster. And then they have kind of a log flume ride where you go into, it's almost like the raptor scene where you're trying to turn the power back on um nice. and then you go through the t-rex legs it's great the whole jurassic park area of universal is really good but i'd love to see some some love there I'm um gonna
1: check that out i've never been
0: yeah it's cool any final thoughts before we rate it no
1: but i think the scale we should rate it on is from you know compies to t-rex what would you rate the book in the movie <laughs> Being what's, what's the lowest and what's the high? And the compies are the lowest. Those things, they feed on babies. They can't attack anything that's alive. I mean, they're awful. Yeah. And what is the middle ground?
0: A stegosaurus? Stegosaurus, yeah.
1: Because it's like really cool. Or a Triceratops?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is easily for me. I mean, this is the T T-Rex, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. One of the best adaptations. Yeah. Just... Spielberg just in his bag making this at the time.
1: I like it. I would
0: yeah. say I'd give the
1: the book a T-Rex and the movie a Velociraptor. Yeah, I think there's like a difference, but I think they're both yeah frightening in yeah. a good way. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, five out of five, no doubt. Um, I was thinking, I wonder if we should have a running ranking of adaptations, where now this is like number one. And so then we, what we
1: talked about. Yeah. Yeah. We
0: do episode two and we just see does this come higher or lower? And we just compile this list of like the ranked best adaptations of all time. Yeah. Did speaking of number two, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on The Shining. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. I got a lot. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We're excited to be launching this podcast and eager to cover more stories. Next week, we'll be taking a look at a classic. We'll be talking about The Shining. So get ready to head over to the Overlook Hotel, have a martini with some ghost bartenders, find out what the hell red row means. Uh, And if you have any thoughts you want to share, please reach out by email at readwatchplaypod at gmail or message us on Instagram at readwatchplaypodcast. If you have suggestions for future stories you would like to see us cover, give us a shout out as well. Um, And as we're getting underway, if you have thoughts on structure categories any feedback let us know you can find this podcast on all your major platforms spotify apple or wherever you get your podcast please rate and review as those things help more people find the show and that's the most important thing to us thanks nick for joining uh, and reading this here pretty quickly uh till next time everyone thanks thanks